The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening what's up everybody this is Stephen A. Smith host of the Stephen A. Smith show podcast tune in every Monday Wednesday and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports pop culture business and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets you'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers all that and more so listen to the Stephen A. Smith show podcast on the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Today's podcast is sponsored by SeatGeek. If you didn't know, SeatGeek is the official ticketing partner of the Brooklyn Nets. Whether you're trying to go to a Nets game, Liberty game, concert, or any other event at Barclays Center, you really only need SeatGeek. Welcome to Courtside Conversation. I'm your girl, Allie Love. After years on the hardwood as the in-arena host for the Brooklyn Nets, it's time for me to take it courtside. We're here with artists, athletes, and all of our favorite people to break down the game called life. We're getting real about the grow up and the glow up. So let's take a seat. What's up, everyone? It's your girl, Allie Love. Welcome to Courtside Conversation. My next guest, she's an actress known for her role on Everybody Hates Chris, The Oval, and Power Book 2, Ghost, um, that premiered just this past March. Please welcome Paige Hurd. Hi, Paige. Hi, Allie. How are you? I'm good. How's everything? Things are going pretty well. Thank you. Well, for those of you that are listening, you can't see Paige right now. And every time I've seen her, she's always looked stunning. But even today, she has that glow. She has that glow. So I'm excited to sit down courtside and just talk about the game of life so we can talk about the glow up of Paige. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. You look beautiful too. Oh, thanks. All right. Let's jump right in. Um, let's chip off in the first quarter. Now, one of the things that we discuss is kind of like, the career pathing. I think a lot of times growing up, we don't always know. And I've said this multiple times, but I find it so imperative. We don't always know what's available to us in life um, mm-hmm. in terms of our career our opportunity sets. And even more so now that we're in this age of slash generation where you can do multiple things, many people are taking a career shift or pivot. Uh, for you, when it comes to being an actress and a craft where it is a very public and um, I would say competitive sport in itself. Um, how did you choose acting or would you say acting chose you? Um, I guess I would say acting chose me, but really it was my mom who chose it for all of us. Um, when I was younger, I am from Dallas and we would just like go out to eat. And I guess she said that I would just start performing while we were waiting to be sat at tables. And so that led to couples and stuff always coming over to our tables and like sending over desserts and like, you know, whatever baby drinks you can have for me and my sister. Um, and they just wanted to always send us stuff and pay for stuff. 
And so I guess my mom had this brilliant idea that while my sister was doing sports in Dallas and she was a stay-at-home mom to put me in acting. And so I, I started out there. That's lovely. Um, is your mom, like which one of your parents are outgoing? Like, are, are they all outgoing folks or they're very much like, they're like homebodies. Like my family's, my, my parents are homebodies. Okay. So my dad is that way. My dad is very homebody, quiet. Don't get much out of him. My mom is like black Puerto Rican, loud, cackling everywhere. Like she's the outgoing one for sure. Are any of your siblings, when it comes to acting, do you think that any of them have that knack as well? Like, was that something that you did? Were you an individual in that capacity where your siblings were also a little bit more laid back or was it just a part of like the relationship y'all's had? Um, I have, so I'm one of five. Mm-hmm. I would say that most of them are laid back. My younger brother, Pierce, he's pretty out there. Um, like I have two younger brothers, one raps, one it has Down syndrome and is just the one that I'm talking about that's super energetic. And then my two sisters, my older sister, she's, you know, a Howard Pepperdine graduate. Like she's very polished, I would call mm-hmm. her. And then the younger sister, she's just, She's just like going to college and she's quiet, but she can be very outgoing too if you get her out of her shell. Now, when you start acting and you had like that moment that, and we'll get into like the moment where you have that unlock of like, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. But when that moment happened, how, how did your siblings react? At that time, it was just my older sister and I. So the mm-hmm. other three weren't born yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think she really had a reaction. I don't think we knew like what what we were really doing, you know, or what I was really doing. Once we let's say like fast forward to now, how do they react? They're just they're supportive, but just very chill. Like we're very normal family. Like even I just feel like so regular. Like oh, I get to just act, but I'm just back to my little regular life, you know. So it's weird. It's, there's no real crazy reaction over there. So let's talk about the journey itself. You're, you're taking acting classes. When was that moment that you were just like, at any age, like this is going to be an unlock for me. I can tell you for me, falling in love with dance was after I got hit by a car at nine years old. I fell in love. Like I, my mom put me in like this summer camp. Mm-hmm. And a part of the summer camp, it's like a daytime summer camp, is that they would have a dance class for like an hour or whatever, 45 minutes. And mm-hmm. I just remember getting into the dance class and having the instructor, like the teacher, put on music and have this follow along. It was very informal. It was not like it was not a ballet class. It was just a dance class. Mm-hmm. I just remember like having those feelings at a young age saying like, wow, this feels good. I don't know what... I don't know how to articulate this, but I know it feels good. And it was then that my dance teacher had the conversation with my mom and was like, I think your daughter not only enjoys this so much, because I would come in day camp and I'm like, what time is dance happening? Can we do more of it? Uh She was like, not only do you, your daughter enjoy it, but she's actually, she has a talent for it. You might want to explore it. Uh Where was that moment for you in this education of, of honing acting that you were just like, I want to do this forever. I could do this forever. Yeah. Um, I mean, I probably had some times when I was a child where I was like, oh, this is fun. This is cool. But like a very clear moment for me was, I think, around 2018-ish. Um, I had kind of just been super fed up and I didn't really want to do it anymore. And I just felt really discouraged. And I met my acting coach um, at the time, who has since passed away, his name is Dustin Felder. 
And I remember kind of just like walking in his uh, room to coach for an audition. And he was like, how are you? And I never met him before. And I was like, I'm good. And he was like, no, you're not. And like the session actually ended up being like me crying for just hours, telling him how I was ready to be done with this and give up and all this stuff. Um, and he was my coach for about a year. And I think he started making me like refall in love with it and be like, oh, okay, like I know how to really like break this down or I know how to navigate this role. And it's so wild because he passed the day I found out I got power. And really? I was never able to tell him, yeah. But I, I think working with him, those were those moments where I was really like, okay, I'm re-excited about this. Because as a kid, I wasn't really thinking about it too much because I started at four. So I was mm-hmm. just, it's like what I knew to do. And it was almost like a career instead of it being something that was like uh, fun for me. I just was like, oh, I'm just, I work as a kid. I didn't think anything else. How old were you when you were having those moments of like doubt where you're just like, I don't know if I want to do this. Like, and where did that stem from? Let's see. I was 20, like 27, 28. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just stemming from like, after everybody hates Chris, I had like a really long period of time where I wasn't like working consistently. You know how you can get jobs here and there. Yeah. You know, and Mm -hmm. it's just like, that's what was happening nothing was really coming. Like I even went and got a job at Abercrombie right after everybody hates Chris ended like when I was like 18, 19. Um, so for years I was just trying to figure it out. I was just like, maybe this is it for me because I understand waiting your turn, but gosh, this is a long time to wait your turn. So maybe it's never going to be my turn and I have to find something. So I was like around that age. And then And I'm not going to sit here and say that that doesn't always happen. Like, you know, I'm always constantly kind of, eh, Mm -hmm. you know, questioning it. But I know I'm passionate about it. I know that's what I want to do. But it's just such a waiting game. So, yeah, let's uh, jump into the second quarter. We're talking a bit about adversity and we talk about this in the second quarter of life. Um, Most times we look at it in two ways. The adversity helps shape you to who you are, but it is really hard when you're going through it. And you're kind of touching on it when you had kind of this six year stint where you had, you know, everybody hates Chris. You're now working at Abercrombie. You're figuring out those moments. Um, I'd love for us to dig into that a little bit more, because as much as when we did the opening My Girl page, you're like, I'm normal. My family's normal. When folks look at you on social and on TV, you know, and across media platforms, you are not normal. And that is in the most complimentary way is that your life has a different um, has taken a different path than most people. We are consuming you instead of you consuming us in that sense. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't, that's a bit abnormal. Mm-hmm. And so I think the relatability does happen when similar to you, like both of us, there are gigs, like you get gigs. You don't, you're not always sometimes not always on as much as you'd like to be, as much as you're working, as much as you're auditioning, you're not always, it's not always landing for you. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people know that feeling, you know, that feeling of like adversity. So I'd love for you to like, maybe touch on a few points within that six year span of what was keeping you going. What were some of the internal dialogues that you were having with yourself? Who were those folks around you that you were, you were conversing with to make sure you said you were steadfast in this path? It's a great question. I, I feel like I've always been very uh, faith-based. And so my relationship with God has been super strong. And so, you know, anytime I felt discouraged or just like, I just wanted to give up. Like I, 
it gave me the downtime to really focus on my relationship with God and to really go to church and to really listen to what they were saying to you. And, you know, um, you know, you, you go to church a lot and they're always like, God has a plan for you and your time is coming. You're in church like, yeah. And then it's like two years passes and you're like, all right, they're doing it again. You're like, okay. And you just keep holding on. So that was a huge thing where I just kept holding on to God's promise because I believe that it's true. But then outside of that, because that can get very hard, you know, I think people always say like, or people sometimes will say like God and that's it. But no, that was hard. But then I had to have something like physical here. That's showing me signs. And that was my family, my therapist. Um, and so I just kind of stayed grounded in my family. My mom was a huge advocate. Um, the people who were around me as I went through different teams, you know, they were very supportive and everybody always spoke life into me and seeing big things and just to be patient. I also do realize that I looked, I always have looked younger than I am my whole life. So that plays a huge part in it because then a lot of times I wasn't able to do the auditions and shows I wanted to do that my peers were doing because I didn't look our age. Um, and then just kind of like, I know you said that like people are consuming me, but like during that downtime, I yeah. was consuming like, like I'm a reality show type of girl. So like, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm just like living my life. I'm just figuring it out in this world. And then I'm like, Oh, I get an audition here and there. But I, I would say like those three things is like God family and, and my therapist. And of course, like my friends were super supportive as well. Wait, who are, what are your reality shows that you love to watch? Oh my gosh. Okay. So it can get like really ratchet and it can get like really good. Like right now I'm really into the Vanderpump scandal that's happening, but uh -huh. I've been into it prior to the scandal, but Vanderpump rules is one. Um, there's this new one on TLC that I just keep like here and there. It's called you, me and my ex. It's the most chaotic thing I've ever seen in my life. 90 day fiance, teen oh moms. Like I could go on. That's really love after lockup. Yes. I, I, have to, I have to share. A, I have to share a secret, which I don't think I've ever shared. I've never watched any of those shows. It doesn't make me better than anyone. I just, when it comes to TV, I don't think I don't opt in to watch TV. I'll opt in to like listen to a book or I talk a lot. So I just, my husband and I are always talking. I'm always calling a friend, you know, I'm always phoning a friend, annoying yeah. them, but I've never seen any of those shows. You, I think, I think you and your husband would enjoy 90 Day Fiance. That's like just, it's just like, for me, I can't sit down and watch shows that like have storylines. Like I've, Secret, I haven't even seen the season of Power Book 2. I'm not We're sharing not secrets. I'm sharing secrets. Like I watched episode one and I've been on the go ever since. I'm going to have to catch up. I still haven't even finished BMF. Like there's those type of shows where you have to watch the storyline. Like sometimes I just don't have time to do. So you could even be on the phone with your friends with 90 Day Fiance in the background or Love After Lockup in the background. And I'm telling you, just ask some of your friends that you talked to. No, I know people talk. So I have, while I've never seen any of the shows you mentioned, I did watch um, 
there was a Real Housewives of Miami. I'm from Miami. And okay. so I was interested because I'm like, I wonder what is like, I live in New York now. I've lived in New York for a few years. Mm-hmm. So I'm like such a, a New Yorker as an adult, but I grew up born and raised in the county of Dade and then moved to for university. Uh-huh. So in my mind, I was like, I'm curious on what's happening, what's going down in Miami. Like what, what's the drama and where are they located? Yeah. It is so, but when I watched it, it's so intense. And then it's also it's hard for me because I'm like, girls, y'all are fighting about nothing. Like nothing yeah. is like, y'all are okay. You're fine. That wasn't even the thing. Like, so I, I, I've, I've consumed a little bit of it in terms of the Miami, but mm-hmm. the other shows I, I don't, I couldn't, if there was a game of, is this title a reality show? I would absolutely lose it. Oh, you should, you guys should play that at the bar place. That's dope. I will win that. I definitely would You would that. nail it. You would nail it. I would. And I will say if, since you did mention Real Housewives, Real Housewives is like my top of the top. That is my number one. Beverly Hills, Atlanta, oh Jersey. Gosh. But I think you'd really enjoy Atlanta and Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills is just like inspiring. Cause it's like, wow, I aspire to be that rich and not have to do much. Yeah. <laughs> aspirational goals. I I love this. Today's podcast is sponsored by SeatGeek. If you didn't know, SeatGeek is the official ticketing partner of the Brooklyn Nets. Unlike any other apps, SeatGeek makes buying tickets super simple. Whether you're trying to go to a Nets game, Liberty game, concert, or any other event at Barclays Center, you really only need SeatGeek. SeatGeek puts tickets from all over the web in one place to make buying simple. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Keeping this kind of like jovial pursuit here, one of the things we talked about before we get into halftime is our assists. I think nobody can ever get to any place in life without a supportive network. Um, and sometimes, and I would say in most times, 
it's an assist that comes from an unlikely place. So you talked about your acting coach that passed away. Um, God bless his soul. You talked about your family and your friends. But what I'd love to do is use this opportunity to shout out an unlikely assist in the sense of someone that has helped you that was either positioned not to technically help you or that it it was a surprise or that no one knows that they helped you, right? Like you've never talked about it. So who is that person or persons that you would um, give your assist to today? Ooh. Okay. So I, I'd have to say, um, two of like my girl best friends, one is one of my sisters, but, um, you know, my sister Maury has always been super, super there for me. Um, we got like our first places together, you know, she moved out here from Texas. I was moving out on my own. So we moved together for two years until we were like, Ooh, we're going to kill each other child. Like we love each other. You know what I mean? But she has been just like a nonstop rock for me in my life. Um, and then my best friend, Brittany, has always been super, super great. Um, she allows me to just stay the cancer, soft-hearted person that I am when I try to talk myself out of that to just try to be like hard like the rest of people or if I'm getting my feelings or like she definitely talks me into just staying grounded. So, um, you know, I don't think I get to mention them too nearly enough. So I would I would definitely mention them too and say thank you, girls. I love y'all. You know, you're my racks. I love that. That's beautiful. All right, let's jump into halftime. Halftime, it's rapid fire is what I call it a couple of questions that are fun that give us a little bit more insight to your personality Okay. as we build this beautiful picture of you. Um, I'm going to say it. You can just answer whatever comes to mind. It doesn't have to be that deep. You know the deal. Oh. Ready? Okay. Yeah. All right. Here we go. What is your favorite sandwich? Ooh, just a good croissant turkey sandwich with lettuce, tomato, mayonnaise, and jalapenos. Oof, I love that. Favorite tradition? It could be a holiday. It could be a tradition that you and your family, like a tr- it could be anything that you do every year that you're pretty keen on. Okay. I'm like such a Christmas girl. Christmas. Are you? Yeah. Do you play, wait, do you play Christmas music in November? Are you one of those? I'm, I'm all year round. I'm one what? of those. I know. So you're the I reason know. why Mariah's song is like always trending. Number one is because you and all the supermarkets are playing it all year round. Kind of. I'm more of like oh my Michael Bublé-ish. <gasps> yes. Like I will go and target, get an iced coffee in the middle of summer and be like, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Like, no, it's not, Paige. It's not. But yes, it is. Because after my birthday, it's Christmas time. It's Christmas time. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, mine is Thanksgiving. I'm, I think Thanksgiving. There are no presents. I think you get every... When things happen over food, people are way happier. Even yeah. if they're, you know, having a little drink. When there's a lot of food and abundance of food, I think people tend to like are happier. Although there are some tough conversations around the table that do happen. Anyways. Oh no, absolutely. And I like lead up. I like the leading up to Christmas. So like from Thanksgiving on, I like just all the things you can do, you know, Christmas spirit wise. I think Christmas day is actually tad boring. My opinion. Mm, got it. The tradition leading up. Yeah. Our childhood celebrity crush. Ooh, I've been getting tore up online because I just told everybody this. It was Eminem, but gosh. I'm... Wait, what are the people saying? You know me. Fill me in. I'm not that cool. Okay, so I only could read a few comments before I had to get off because I'm too sensitive. But they were like, I guess they were like, girl, you know, he does snow or he does this, that. And so I'm like, I don't know what he does in his personal life. I just know I had a crush on him. Yeah, I had a crush on, what is his name? Jonathan Thomas Taylor. I don't know what he does. I don't even know where he is right now. <laughs> <Who is that? laughs> I'm sorry, oh my gosh. It's okay. 
he was on, it's a show. I, it was like a show that would come on reruns when I was a kid. Uh-huh. Like we couldn't watch a lot of TV. Like we just didn't as a family, but it yeah. would come on like the local CW channel or whatever. And it was a home improvement, but it was way after the show. So none of my friends, like all people, my friends had cable and they would watch like other things okay. that were way cooler, like reality shows, clearly. And I would watch reruns of old TV. Like we watched Sanford and Son. We watched Good Times, like all reruns of old TV. And yeah. then kind of like some of those early 2000 sitcoms. Yeah. And one of them that came on was uh, Home Improvement. So I, I assume when I, he was my celebrity crush, she was probably like 35, but on the mm-hmm. show, he was like... Yes. My age. Yes. (laughs) But he's an actor. He's one of the sons. I can't believe, I don't even know. I don't even know what he does. I like literally only know he's from Home Improvement. I feel like I know which one as soon as you said Home Improvement. His hair, long hair. Yeah. I had a face come in mind. I think, uh, yeah, him. There you go. How about you? Here we (laughs) go. How do you unwind? Oh, um, I like to come home. I really like to be in my own space. A glass of wine could be cool. And just like sometimes though, I, I can just sit in here in silence and just like sit and like maybe watch a few TikTok videos. Mm. Yeah. I've been off TikTok for a while. I'm, I'm trying to stay the course. Um, yeah. what's the, what's the least organized part of your life? The most least organized? Like it's always a mess. It's always an F checking my emails and responding on the timely manner. Are you one of those people that your icon has like a thousand, like it has the number on it and it's like mad emails unread? Yes, let's see. No way. No, yeah, it's bad. It's at, where are they? Oh my God, you don't want to (laughs) know. No, we do. Now we, come on, come on Paige, what is it? 23,980. Uh-uh, you are fired. Get off, we're done. Podcast over, leaving. Seriously? Yeah, my text messages are also at 1,161 and my missed calls are at 337. I I have this one too and I don't know. But I will say, I will say that is a combination of emails. You know how we can combine all of them on one Apple phone. Um, and they, that dates back to like, obviously a very long time ago. Paige is over here trying to like negotiate her way out of the fact that she literally doesn't answer her emails. If I saw that, like there's a part of me that I just couldn't breathe. Like I would have to delete the whole app. Like I would delete my account and start all over. Like that's how I am. I'm like one of those things of if I can't clean it up, it can't be organized, throw it all out. I tell literally Andrew in the kitchen, he's like, I can't fit anything in the fridge. I'm like, you know what you do right now? You take everything in the fridge and throw it in the trash. Not to be wasteful, but like if you need to like organize, like let's go from a place of nothing or organize it. Like I can't be in the between. Yeah. I mean, I just got a new work email, but for some reason, I think maybe I have to take all the other ones off the phone and just keep the work email on because then I can see, but everything's coming in and I'm trying to keep up. And then, you know, when people start responding and it turns into a thread. So it's like several and I'm trying to keep up. I'm just like, just text me. I'm overwhelmed. It's hard. It's hard. Oh, all right. Last question in our halftime before we get into the third quarter is what's the most organized part of your life? Everything else. Yeah. I am OCD. I'm very like everything has to be completely planned, cleaned. Um, like I shared with you, I've been 
fighting a cold the past few days. And although it's been really hard to like get up and do stuff, I had to make sure this house was clean. That's actually how it started. I was cleaning all day Tuesday and I started kind of getting the sniffles. Um, but like any, everything else in my life is organized. I just don't play with unorganization. The emails is just hard to answer, but yeah. everything else. As, as a chef's I'm kiss. always on time. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm grandma here. So it's. That's nice. All right. Let's jump into the third quarter. You mentioned right before we stepped into halftime, um, just like the navigating of your career, right? And that what you do is you're on set with a lot of personalities. You talked about the transition of teams because when you were talking about your career, you're like with my teams and the transition of those things and having the support systems. How do you, how do you operate in people's skills knowing that you have to be in contact with so many people, some people that you're building relationships with, some people that you're you're working with once in a while, but you potentially will know forever. Like, how are you navigating and managing those those people skills? Um, I think that will just have to go to how I was raised. Um, you know, I'm just always gonna be kind and personable. I know how it has felt to be like. You know how people in the industry are. They can be very nasty. They can be very mean. And I've felt that plenty of times. I felt overlooked. I felt a lot of negative things come my way that I didn't deserve. And so for me, I always said, like, I never want anybody to feel that. I never want anybody to encounter me and feel like, wow, she was mean or she was rude. And not just to like uphold an image, but just because I want somebody to feel loved or to feel seen and valued. So... Um, that's, I can just, my mom and just how I was raised, I, I have to give that to that a hundred percent. Yeah. Well, how do you deal with the times that you are receiving some of that, where you said unnecessary coolness or negativity, again, knowing that you are on set, you have to be on set. You have to perform your job. Your job is a performance and it doesn't, it has to happen in tandem with your feelings. And sometimes you're not in a good headspace mentally, like ment- you can feel mentally unwell, emotionally unwell but also circumstantially unwell given some of the interactions. Like how do you pull yourself back to center and then still be able to get in front of the camera and not even that, do it time after time? I don't know. Like I just, it's a, it's just a skill that I've mastered. And again, it's just one of those moments where it's like, let's say something was to happen to me. I'm, I just want to go on set and not give that same energy to somebody else. Cause I just know how it felt for me. I'm also really mm-hmm. sensitive. So sometimes I have to take a moment and talk myself into not everything doesn't have to make you cry or everything doesn't have to like, you don't have to take all that on and take that home. Like, and learning that a lot of times people's behavior has nothing to do with me. Um, but also really just going to my therapist to hone that in my head. Cause as a child actor, uh, we don't get those conversations. People just treat you how they treat you and then they're moving forward. So you're trying to understand and process as a kid, like what in the world? Usually you're just dealing with kids being mean to you at school. Mm-hmm. Now you're talking about grown adults who are treating you crazy and talking to you wild. So, um, I think just kind of growing up in it, I was like, yeah, I, I will never treat anybody wild even if i'm having a bad day like it just is what it is like we, we're gonna have to have a conversation i'll fake it till i make it on set who do you think you've learned the most from like on all the sets you've been on on all of them Ooh, that's a good question 
I would definitely say it would have to be like back when I was working with the adults. So it could be Queen Latifah. It could be, um, it could be, uh, you know, I was working with Shane Johnson this, this past year on power and Peyton Ashbrook, you know, I would say Peyton, Peyton, um, she plays Jenny Sullivan on our show and she has taught me a lot, a lot about my emotions and my feelings. Um, she, just was super helpful in helping me stay grounded. And she allowed a safe space for me to vent or to share some feelings. Cause I, uh, I lost a family member in season two and I had to keep coming to work. And that was really hard for me. Um, and then season three, I couldn't tell anybody I was working on the show, but the people that were there. So that also made it hard, but Peyton was a, a really, really great support system. And I would have to say that she taught me a lot about just kind of mastering my energy and not taking other other people's stuff on. That's very special. Yeah. That's very special. In that same kind of lane, was there any person, and it doesn't have to be an actor, it can be off camera that you work with that was just, and, and surprisingly in the best way, surprisingly refreshing and innovative that you were just like, wow, I came on and I thought it was going to be this one way. I knew it would maybe be good or great, but it ended up being exceptional. Um, was there anyone like that? Exceptional. You said that's a big word. That means a lot. Exceptional. That does. Who was exceptional? Let me see. You're like, I mean what I say and I I say what I mean. Listen, I call myself a little Kanye sometimes. I'm so honest. No, I don't think anybody has been overly like, I I don't think anybody's been like exceptional. Like, you know, it takes people a long time for some reason in this business to warm up to people. Hmm. It's, it's like the craziest thing. I, I just don't get it. But yeah, no, I don't think no. so. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna keep our eyes out for exceptional. Yeah, how to be exceptional. All right, let's jump into the fourth quarter. Now we're gonna round it out here, and I would talk about two things. The first thing, it's fun. You were um, you did our celebrity influencer game at practice in the park <laughs> for Nets. Yes, I Tell did. Tell me about it. Tell the folks about it. The people that didn't show up that day. Um, wait, what made you say, do, what, do you play basketball? Did you play basketball so, growing up? So I wanted to very bad. I, um, I wanted to play in high school and I, I auditioned to see that. See, how much um, you and I are the same person. I would have said the same thing. Lord, I tried out for the team. Um, I wanted to transfer schools and go and I made the team and I was super excited. But I was working on Everybody Hates Chris at the time and I couldn't play. So I stopped like and I honestly had just started playing like that summer because I'm a very like if I want to do something, I put my mind to it and I'm going to do it. So I um, tried out for the team and everything, had to go back to work, didn't end up playing. So I never played basketball after that unless it was in like a few celebrity games. And my fun, like my running joke with my peoples is like, I don't know why people keep asking me to do these games. Like I'm not good at them. And when we did the one, like yeah. I came up with an iced coffee, like I was not prepared. I wasn't, I was out there playing around. You know what I mean? I don't even know yeah. if I, I did touch the ball, but like nothing really happened, but it was so much fun. I had so much fun. Do you, I know you're coming to the, a lot of the games. Where does your love for sport in particular basketball come from? Um... I'm not sure where it comes from, but I just know like basketball and baseball have always been 
two of my favorite sports and I just always really enjoyed going to basketball games. Like I enjoy watching it on TV. Um, and I think my dad's like a big sports head. So uh-huh. he's more like football and stuff, but yeah, I've just always been super into basketball. And I, I think maybe it's cause I wish I could have played. Like if I yeah. wasn't an actor, my dream was to go to college, like the university of Texas and play basketball. And just like, I just really like the competitive competitiveness of it and just the sport itself. So and I just like being That's there good. in the Barclays Center. I like made myself a little regular. <laughs> you are. And it is, it is a special place. It's a special place. All right. Last thing before I let you go. I know oftentimes people ask you what's next and feel free. You can share if there is a next, but mm-hmm. I think it, I, what I always like to close with most times is like, what does your now look like? What are the things that you are focused on right now? And it could be a professional or personal or the intersection of two. Uh huh. Um, so I've always kind of been like, oh, you know, I want to do this. I want to do that for my career. And, you know, I, I, I don't think I'll ever be able to plan um, what's next there. So I just trust God in that sense. But as far as like my personal, I use these down moments to work on that. Um, I'm just trying to master like gentleness in my mm-hmm. life. I'm trying to master, um, you know, I grew up very tough and like very in survival mode. And uh, like I said, being in this business, I didn't have the greatest experiences and that made me like maybe not date the best people or I'm so now I'm just trying to master like what vulnerability really looks like for me and what strength really looks like, which is me being vulnerable and me being able to be in my soft girl era, as we would call it. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to master that discernment of knowing who to have around me and who can be my friends. I'm very open hearted. So I, I've seen that the past few years, I've went into things very blindly thinking, well, I have a good heart and these people can't do that to me. And I've been just like looking back. I'm like, well, how could you not see it? It's because I came in with pure intentions. So I really want to work on discernment. Um, gentleness, discernment, and I had one more. I don't know. I forgot what the third one is, but I, I like have it written down. But like, those are like the things that I'm working on. And then just, um, always, always getting ready so I can stay ready. Like, I'm boxing right now. I'm training at the gym. Yeah. Eating healthy. Just putting myself on 30 day cleanses randomly to discipline myself, just making sure we have that discipline. Mm-hmm. So, so that way, when the next big thing comes, I'm focused, I'm ready for it. And um, I don't feel like it'll get snatched away because I don't know how to act with it. Mm, there you go. I look, I love that you're doing, you're doing the prep work. It's like, got to position you, but you got to be prepared for it. And I think you're taking that preparation. And so when the position happens, that's when you're in your purpose. Yeah. I just made a sermon up. This was quartz. Okay. I was like, wait a minute. Let's write that down. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Paige. I really appreciate your time. This was so lovely. Thanks for taking a courtside seat and sharing the game of your life in four quarters. It was lovely to get to know you even more um, because everyone that's listening obviously loves you already. Oh, thank you. I can't wait to come take my Peloton class. Anytime. Come to the studio, my girl. I told you. I sure will. As soon as I'm back in New York, I'm going to reach out. There we go.
Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.